0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. We must start up today's program noting, with a tinge of sadness, the memorial that took place in Grass Valley on Sunday. It was dedicated to everyone's friend here at KDBS, the late, great Ed Martin. Ed filled the room not just with his peers, people of his generation, but I would say probably half the folks there were 20-somethings that he had mentored here at this station. The turnout was a tribute to how beloved Ed Martin was. And what people had to say about Ed reflected not just well on him, but well on the speakers. They were able to express themselves with a touching eloquence that we hope we can repeat here on uh, this station in the future. There was an audio recording of the event. We'll try and obtain a copy of that. And if not, have some KDVSers come back and, and tell um, their story again in their own words. We can promise you that Franz Kassing was unable to attend the memorial. We'll have a thing or two to say about Ed next week. But I can also recommend to you that if you're on Facebook, you go check out... Um, what a lot of folks had to say there in print. And I'm going to quote from one of those. Said Greg, Today I lost the first person to call my radio station to say I was doing a good job. I wasn't. I lost the first person I interviewed as a journalism student. I lost a friend who believed in me and especially believed in my generation. You know, the word millennials is a funny one because millennials don't use it. It's a word especially used by people who don't identify it, a label if you will. Ed Martin was a man who didn't have that disconnected approach to youth. He could connect with a generation far different from his own as both a teacher and a friend. He didn't treat us like we were going to blow up the earth or become the fat, mindless blobs you see in a Walmart. He treated us like we were good and on our way to doing great things in the world. He set a level-headed standard I'll continue to carry with me. Miss you, Ed. I know we spent a lot of time in this program talking about the late Ed Martin, but, you know, he's absolutely worth it, and we're going to do more of it still. And we're looking forward in our second segment today to speaking with Richard Talcott, editor at Astronomy Magazine. Their 500th issue is currently on the newsstand, and it's quite a fun one, with 500 of the coolest things about space listed, and we're going to talk with uh, Mr. Talcott about a few of those let us commence the program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date today is February 19th. It was on February 19th in 1601 in England that Henry Riosley, and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, the Earl of Southampton and patron of William Shakespeare, or actually should we say good pal of Edward de Vere, the man known to history as William Shakespeare, was tried for treason for reviving Richard II, a play that tells the story of overthrowing a monarch. And I guess that made the Elizabethan court a little nervous. It was on February 19th in 1878 that the prolific American inventor Thomas Edison patented the phonograph. And I'm not sure that turned out to have much of a use. What do you think, Mr. McMillan? And this date is a is one of a couple of disasters. It was on February 19th in 1915, in an attempt to remove Turkey as a force in World War I, that Allied forces began a campaign to push through the Straits of the Dardanelles. The Gallipoli campaign was little short of a disaster. And on February 19th in 1942, U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066, which was used to relocate more than 110,000 Japanese Americans from their homes on the West Coast to remote internment camps around the country. And it seems like only yesterday, but it was on February 19th in 1977, off the Galapagos Islands, that a deep sea research scientist discovered a thriving ecosystem of worms, clams, and crabs centered around geothermal hot water vents on the floor of the ocean. These were far beyond the reach of sunlight, and was basically the first ecosystem found that did not depend on the sun. It depended on the oxidation of hydrogen sulfide, which was spewing up from the vents. In honor of the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live, of which there was a special on Sunday night, seen by a huge audience, Somewhat sadly, I would note, because I thought the show mostly stank up the room. But our quote of the week comes from Chevy Chase. This does require a bit of context. At first, the show was only known as Saturday Night. They couldn't call it Saturday Night Live because there was already a show on television called Saturday Night Live. Its full name was Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. Now, it turned out that Cosell's show didn't last very long and, and resolved the whole problem for Lauren Michaels. But I have to love the quote of what Chevy Chase had to say about the controversy while it was raging. He said, I thought we should have just called our show Saturday Night Live without Howard Cosell. Of course, balancing off that, we have our quip of the day, which comes from Johnny Carson, who evidently didn't think too highly of Chevy Chase's comedic talents. In fact, said the king of late night. Chevy J's couldn't ad-lib a fart at a baked bean dinner. For our anecdote of the week, we're going to go to the only blog we regularly quote on this program. That would be News From Me, which is the product of Mark Evanier. Now, Mark was writing about the sad passing, which we've not yet noted, of legendary TV announcer Gary Owens. Mark had some kind things to say about the late Gary Owens, who seemed to have been beloved by all. But to quote from his blog... This reminds me of a story I can't believe I haven't told on this blog. It occurred about 10 to 15 years ago during one of Gary's last gigs as a local radio personality. He had an afternoon show each day on KGIL where he played real oldies, a lot of Sinatra, Dino, Tony Bennett, etc. As with most music-type disc jockey gigs these days, Gary was not doing the program live as he did at KMPC and other stations for so many years. He'd go in, record all his spots for the three-hour show in about an hour, then the engineers would edit him, the songs, and the commercials together. I was driving my mother home from a doctor's appointment one day, and I put Gary's show on. My mother was about half listening to it, enjoying the show, but not paying serious attention. During it, I got a call from Gary And as in many cars, the audio from the call displaced the radio sound and came out of the same speakers. Gary on the phone sounded exactly like Gary on the radio. My mother hadn't noticed that the call had come in and that I'd switched over. So suddenly, her son was having a two-way conversation with the guy on the radio. Gary was talking to me, and I was talking directly to him. She looked at me with amazement. Then Gary and I said our goodbyes, the call disconnected, and the radio sound came back on. And from the same speakers, she heard, seamlessly, the same voice saying, and now, here's a great tune from Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. Mom then looked at me and said, Wow, the inventions they're installing in cars these days! Our joke today comes from the writers for Conan O'Brien, who said some weeks back, a new Republican Congress is taking over. Senator Ted Cruz has been appointed to oversee NASA in Congress. He says he wants NASA to focus on finding aliens so he can deport them. Our joke today, which was sent to us by Dr. Barbara, is as follows. A young physician moved out to a small community to replace a doctor who was retiring. The older doc suggested that the young one accompany him on his rounds so the community could become used to their new practitioner. At the first house, the woman complained, I've been a little sick to my stomach, doc, and and my bowels have been very loose. The older doctor said, Well, Mary, you've probably been overdoing it with the fresh fruit. If you cut back on the amount you've been eating, I think that'll help. As they left, the younger doc said, You didn't even examine that woman. How could you come to that diagnosis? Well, while she was chatting with you, said the older doc, I took a good look around the room, and I noticed that there was at least a half a dozen banana peels in the trash. I figured that was probably making her sick. So i went with my instincts on it. Young doc said, pretty clever. If you don't mind, I think I'll try that the next house. At the next house, the two docs spent several minutes talking to a younger woman. She said she just didn't have the energy she once did. And she said, I'm just feeling terribly run down lately. The younger doctor said to her, Helen, you've probably been doing too much for your church. Perhaps you should cut back a bit and see if that helps. As they left the house, the elder doctor said, I know Helen pretty well. And uh, I suspect your diagnosis is correct. She's very active in the church. But how did you know? Well, said so the young dog, I did the same thing you did at the last house. While she was talking to you, I took a good look around. And that's when I noticed the pastor hiding under the bed. Our stat of the day is from the Associated Press, and it is that the global healthcare and lost productivity costs of obesity have climbed to $2 trillion a year, as much as the combined cost of armed violence, war, and terrorism, according to a new report by the McKinney Global Institute. And if you're keeping track, about 30% of the world's population is either overweight or downright obese. And for our good news item of the week, we have this. In India, tiger numbers have increased by 30% since 2010. There are now 2,226 Indian tigers, compared with a low of 1,411 in 2006. Indian Environmental Minister Sri Prakash Javadekar said the turnaround was due to better forest management and community cooperation. Mr. Millen speculates that shooting the poachers on site may have something to do with it let see what the week magazine has for us in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The magazine noted that it was a good week last week for product placement. After Danielle Lay, an enterprising San Francisco Girl Scout, set up a stand outside a local marijuana dispensary, and then set a national record by selling 208 boxes of cookies in just two hours. Hey man, these cookies are good. But speaking of San Francisco, it was a bad week last week for waste management after a $110,000 a year water manager in San Francisco got suspended for urinating in a city reservoir. He was suspended without pay for five days and warned that if he pees in the wrong place again, you're toast. You know, and that's one of the things Radio Parallax loves about America, is that it's possible to err and still find redemption. And finally, it was an ugly week for tough love after a Missouri couple was arrested for allegedly arranging to have their six-year-old kidnapped because he was, quote, too nice, unquote, to people. The boy was evidently lured into a pickup truck, threatened with a gun, and tied up, and then lectured about stranger danger. And by the way, we're going to talk in the future in this program about this free-range child raising, is what they're calling it, where you actually, like, allow your child to be out of your sight. This apparently is uh, something that's a lost art here in the U.S. of A. But uh, the week's on a roll, frankly, and I hope we are too, and so we have to cite two of their Only in America items, I think. The first being that the City University of New York has now instructed teachers and staff to stop using gendered salutations such as Mr. and Ms. when addressing students to avoid offending those who identify as neither. Sandra Schuster, a specialist in discrimination law, said universities must make sincere efforts to avoid gender bias, but added that prohibit using gendered titles is ridiculous, and I'm afraid we have to agree on that one. Although we do hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And as always, we relish the free speech opportunities afforded by this community-based radio station. But only in America, item number two is as follows. A proposal to add a Latin phrase to Vermont's state motto evidently caused an uproar when some residents mistook the ancient Roman language for Spanish. Yes, evidently a state senator proposed adding Stella Quarta Decima Fulgiat, the 14th star shines bright, Vermont being the 14th state, onto the state seal. But uh, protesters took to the internet to declare Vermont ain't no Latino area. And also, this is America, not Mexico. (laughs) We've got a lot of ground to cover here. And by ground, I mean astronomical facts. So I think we better get out now, even though I've got a pile of clippings about three inches thick that we're just not going to get to. But uh, maybe we'll put that in our internet-only version of this program. Which is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for a wonderful chat with Astronomy Magazine Editor Richard Talcott.